Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. You see, I don't want to just go back and, and ask God to forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed. That's kind of a form of introspection, and introspection doesn't do me any good. I want to hear what the Lord says. I want to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, search me and see. Bring before me the things where I have abandoned you. Bring before me the things that I have put before you. Bring before me, Father God, the ways that I have abandoned our relationship, that I might repent of those things, and that I might call on you to forgive me and that you would heal me and that I would change the order of my life. That's what real repentance is all about. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians to rejoice always, to pray without stopping, and to give thanks in everything we do. That is the will of God for all of us in Christ Jesus. But if you're like many Christians, we often stop praying, especially if we see our prayers continuously go unanswered. But prayer is way too important to Christians to give up. So how do we have an effective prayer life? One way is to simply draw closer to God, to know the heart of the Father. Then we will know what and how to pray. But how do we draw closer to God? In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his series on effective prayer, growing closer to God, and how that can be achieved through fasting. At the beginning of the year, I said this last week, but I want to say it again. At the beginning of the year, the Lord had not laid on my heart to do a 21-day fast, which is our custom. I've been praying since about October. God didn't show me anything, and so I decided that since He wasn't showing me anything, I wasn't going to do it just out of ritual. But He did tell me there would come a time that we would need to fast. So about two months ago, He told me He wanted us to fast in April, and He wanted us to do an Isaiah 58 fast. Now that was interesting because I've read Isaiah 58 a number of times and I thought I understood it, but I didn't have real revelation on what God wanted to do. And so what I want to do today is probably act more in the form of a teacher and share with you what Isaiah 58 really has to say and what we want to try to do during this time. I believe not only is it the, the cure for the coronavirus, but I believe it's the cure for the nation as a whole. And so please just bear with me as we go through this. Isaiah 58.1 says, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like ours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And so we begin to see in Isaiah that the Israelites were fasting and they were praying and they were going about their religious duties and they were blaming God and saying, God, you don't hear what we're saying. You don't hear what we're what we're doing, we fast, we humble ourselves, we do all this stuff, and you're not hearing what we've done. And, and then they ask this question, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? 
And let me just warn you right up. Don't ask God a question if you don't want him to answer you because he flat brings the answer through Isaiah. He says, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. He says, he says it, it's for full enjoyment of yourself. You take pleasure in the fact that you're fasting. You put on your sackcloth and your ashes and you go about boasting in the fact that you're fasting. And you take great pleasure in everything that you're doing. You're not humbled before me. You're, you're showing yourself off. He says, and you oppress your workers. You act like you don't, you don't pay them a fair wage. You don't do what needs to be done for them. You don't take care of your workers at all. You just push them aside. And yet you won't act like you're righteous before me. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. I began to ask the Lord, I said, what in the world is this all about? And he said, when you're fasting, you're getting into religious quarrels. You're fighting about what does this doctrine say and what does this doctrine say and what is this theology and, and what does this teacher say about this? And you get in fusses and fights and then you hit with the wicked fist, you begin to judge. That's the wicked fist that he's talking about. He's saying this is your heart towards people is you're judging them. And if they don't act like you act or if they don't do what you do, then you say that they're wrong. If they don't worship in the same way that you worship, uh, you, you start talking about them behind their back. And, and instead of healing your brother, you kill your brother. He said, you're just wicked. And you want to tell me you're righteous and that you're holy? So there's nothing holy about what you're doing. What I find is that most Christians really have no idea what fasting's all about. They're very much in the same place that Israel was in. They were denying themselves food. They were going to, the, to, to do the sacrifices. They were offering their worship before God. They were acting like they were drawing near to God. But they, their heart really was far, far, far from God. You see, when we fast, the very heart, the very spirit of fasting is to draw near to God. The disciples tried to cast out a devil, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus went to them, went to and cast out the devil, and he began to talk to him. And they asked him, said, why couldn't we do this? And he said, this kind comes out only through, through prayer and fasting. I've read that all my life, and when, I, when I've thought that, man, you know, if you fast, it makes you more spiritual in some way. If you fast, you twist God's arm in some way. If you fast, you're making God do what you want Him to do, or you're, you're showing your holiness. And that's exactly what Israel was saying was, we're showing our holiness through our fasting. I missed it totally and completely. You see, the idea of fasting is, is that I want my heart to grow so close to His. God is the answer. I got to have more of God. If I want to cast out those demons, I need more of Him and less of me. And the only way to get more of Him is through prayer and fasting and seeking Him. You see, it's not about begging God to answer a prayer. We spend our time praying about the coronavirus and God's saying, would you just draw near to me? I've already told you how to, I, that I will heal your land. Would you just draw near to me? It's not about twisting God's arm. We look at God and we say, just like the Israelites, here, we're going to twist your arm, God. We're going to make you do what we want you to do by not eating. And you know what God says about that? Then you're just going to be hungry. That's about the full extent of that, because you're not going to twist my arm to do anything. It's not just about denying the flesh. But the fast begins. Now, it doesn't end, but it begins with grieving. We don't eat because we're brokenhearted. You ever lost a loved one? 
You ever lost somebody that you really, really care about? And all of a sudden, food doesn't make any difference. You're not hungry. You're grieved. And so the fast begins with a grief. It's grieving over the sins of the nation. It's grieving over the sins of the church. It's grieving over our personal sin. You see, this grief goes in the brokenheartedness that says, God, I've not drawn near to you because I've let the things of the world enter in. We've chased things. We go after everything, and we put God somewhere in the mix, but we don't put Him first. And so when we begin to look at where we are as a nation, and we realize that there are, there are elements of our nation right this minute, they want to eliminate God from everywhere. They don't want Him in the workplace. They don't want Him, they don't want him in the courthouse. They don't want Him in the schoolhouse. They don't want Him in the capital. They don't want Him anywhere. And then the, something like the coronavirus comes along, and they say, everybody pray. I don't know how hypocritical you can be, but to me... That's kind of like the guy that's going down in the airplane. Herman, one of Herman's favorite stories is about Jesse Duplantis. And the guy's telling him how he's an atheist, doesn't believe in God. And all of a sudden the airplane starts going down and the guy starts praying. And Duplantis looks at him and says, don't pray now. Two minutes ago you didn't even believe in him. That's kind of what's happening with our, with our leaders is they deny him. And now all of a sudden they're calling on him because they realize they don't have any control over what's going on. They're doing everything they know to do, and people are still dying, and people are still getting the virus, and, and nothing is taking place. And so now they have no alternative but to pray. And God says that ought not, ought not to be the last alternative. It ought to be the very first thing that a nation does. The very first thing that a nation does is humble themselves. I so appreciate President Trump calling this, this nation into a, a, a day of prayer. But I really believe that we need to be called into a day of repentance, I believe the whole nation needs to repent for what we've done with God, what we've done with His creation, the way that we have called good evil and evil good. I think the whole nation needs to humble themselves before God. If we want to see a healing take place, there needs to be a spiritual healing that takes place across this nation and not just get rid of the coronavirus. You see, we can get rid of the coronavirus, but the corruption and the destitution will continue to take place. The devastation will continue to take place because you cannot, you cannot worship evil and expect good things to happen. You cannot embrace evil and expect good things and blessings to flow. And so we have to repent of the evil that we as a nation have embraced and walked away from our God. And, we've been, and God's saying, I'm calling you back to me. There's a pause a great many people are not working. You have time to pray. You have time to seek the Lord. You have time to, to say, God, I want to be with you. I had no idea when the Lord told me to call this fast in April that this would be going on. But gosh, isn't it, isn't it kind of poignant that we're right in the midst of a crisis in our nation and God's saying fast? I, 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 love, I love what God does. You see, so this time of repentance comes. And then we fast to hear God's voice as we repent. We, we, we hear what God says. We want to hear His voice. You see, I don't want to just go back and, and ask God to forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed. That's kind of a form of introspection, and introspection doesn't do me any good. I want to hear what the Lord says. I want to go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, search me and see. Bring before me the things where I have abandoned you. Bring before me the things that I have put before you. Bring before me, Father God, the ways that I have abandoned our relationship. 
that I might repent of those things and that I might call on you to forgive me and that you would heal me and that I would change the order of my life. That's what real repentance is all about. And so I've come into this time of fasting, God, that I can hear your voice. I've come into this time that, that I, can, I, can, I can worship you in spirit and in truth. And my worship isn't shrouded in the, in the rituals of public worship. You see right now in your home, you have the opportunity to worship. Nothing is hindering you. We have enough music playing right now. We've got Bluetooth. We've got stereos. We've got Wi-Fi, Hi-Fi, No-Fi. I don't care what you call it. We've got music that plays. And so I just encourage you right now, wherever you are, turn your music on, put your dancing shoes on, wave your flags, wave your hands, celebrate Jesus, shout with joy because Jesus still is King of kings and Lord of lords. Coronavirus or whatever else is going on, my God still holds everything in his hand. I want you to grab hold of this idea that that now nobody else can see. Are you worshiping God? It's just between you and God right this minute. And so the beginning, the beginning of this after repentance, the next step is worship begins to emanate out of us. And there's demonstrations and acts of, of adoration that are, that are offered up to the Lord. Just that the simple thing that says, Lord, I love you. I love you. You know, my, my favorite song for many years was, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, O oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet Sweet sound, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Some of you, when you worship, you're going to lay prostrate before the Lord. Some of you are going to weep. Some of you are going to dance. The demonstration of joy in the presence of Jesus. And then this, the fast ends. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. At the end of the fast, it's a full-blown celebration of Jesus. That's what it's all about. So as we begin to seek Him and to hear Him and to draw near to Him, and to repent. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the, the, the things of Jesus just become brighter and brighter and brighter. In Isaiah 58, 6, God tells uh, through Isaiah exactly what kind of fast he wants. He says, is this the fast that I chose? It's to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. He says, this is what I want you to do. And he breaks it up into two parts. And the first part has to do more with personal position with God. And the second part has to do with how we deal with our fellow man. And do we have a heart for the poor? 
You see, God says, when your heart is moved for the poor, I begin to hear your heart and the outcry. And so each day of the fast begins. I want you to get quiet before the Lord and allow Him to reveal your heart, my heart. With this revelation, we are to humble ourselves, repent, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us overcome wicked thoughts, desires, and actions. And let me remind you one more time, wickedness doesn't necessarily mean perverted. Wickedness comes in the form of selfishness, where I put my, myself before everybody else. You see, we've already seen through this coronavirus one of the things that happens with the hoarding of toilet paper and all these other things. That's wickedness. When you're not concerned about what's happening with your fellow man, there's something wicked. When your needs are greater than everybody else's needs, the selfishness that's found in that, not pleasing to God. And you say, but God, I'm not eating. But you're not sharing either. Release the people you have judged. He said, the bonds of wickedness, the, release them. Ask God to forgive you and to break the judgments that you have put upon them. He said to, to God, please release the people that I've judged, even if they have chosen to live in accordance with the world. Instead, I will bring them before the Lord and I will wait on Him to act. Bless the people that have hurt you. Bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for their well-being. Stop believing they owe you anything, even an apology. Can't tell you how many times saying, I'm, I'm not going to do anything until they apologize. To heck with the apology. Jesus took all of that upon himself. Walk in grace, walk in mercy. You're going, to, you're going to hold somebody in bondage. You're going to oppress somebody through your judgment because you're waiting for them to say they're sorry. You may wait till hell freezes over then. And instead, you're going to be bound by, the, by what you've bound them by. And so I just want to encourage you to, to, to quit thinking they owe you anything. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the religious teachings that you have been put under by others. We get, so, we get so ensnared by the things that are going on around us. The religious teachings, i got to do this, and i got to do this, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. Let me tell you the only thing you've got to do, and that's accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have a fellowship and relationship with Him. And then the Holy Spirit will teach you what to do. All of these people that are putting up these rules and regulations, all they're doing is creating new religions and they're putting people in bond, doctrinal bondages. And through these doctrinal bondages, the, the Old Testament calls that a yoke. They're placing us under a yoke. Instead of a yoke of freedom and liberty, they're placing us under a yoke of bondage. Jesus said, my burden is like my yoke is easy. My teachings are easy. He said, it's twofold. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. He said, it's very simple. And so ask the Holy Spirit where, where these religious things that have come in on you, your sacred cows, so to speak, and crush the head of those things that have put you in bondage. And then remove the yoke from your own neck. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you forgive yourself. Boy, that's, that's one of the hard ones. Sometimes it's easier to forgive somebody else than it is to forgive yourself. Because you've messed up, you've made mistakes. But the Lord's saying to us, listen, I forgave you, and I want you to forgive yourself. How can you love others if you don't love yourself? And part of loving yourself is being able to forgive yourself. Not justifying what we've done, 
which is what we've been guilty of, is trying to justify why we did it. Why we did it is because we're sinful. We committed sin. And so forget all of the justification. Just own up to the fact that you did it. Ask God to forgive you and then forgive yourself. Take hold of that forgiveness because as long as the enemy can keep you in that yoke of bondage, he will oppress you. And so a portion of this is in this time of fasting and prayer is to release yourself from the judgment that you've put upon yourself and the judgment of others. Part two of the fast requires us to love other people. Loving means putting them before yourself. He says, share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. Many, many times we see this only in the natural, but we need to begin to see it in the spiritual as well. As I've told you many times, I like to go to restaurants. And I like to witnesses. I like to witness to waitresses and waiters and and uh, the the workers at the drive-through windows. And it, it's pretty amazing what I've run into. And not very often, but from time to time, I run into that person that they're poor. And they're poor not because they don't have money in their pocket. They're poor because they don't have Jesus. Right now they're in a very fearful place and they need Jesus very, very badly. And I began to share with them and so I want to meet their needs and so I want to clothe them in the Holy Spirit. I want them to know the the righteousness of Jesus. I want to see them put on the cloak of His righteousness. I want their feet shod with the gospel of peace. And so this nakedness doesn't necessarily have to mean that they don't have clothes. And I'm I'm not saying don't do that. We need to do that too. We have a, a huge homeless population. But I'm also telling you that there are people that are spiritually naked. He says, bring them into your house. Take them to church with you. Take them to whatever church you go to, but take them into your house. Bring them into your place of worship. Introduce them to the family of God. Let them know there are people that care about them. It's so important that we do that. We need to look for people to help, to meet their physical needs as much as we can. The the Scriptures refer to basic needs for life. We also need to feed those that are hungry for God. We need to share the love that God's placed in us. Why do you want to hold it into yourself? Man, give it away. Make people happy. Smile at people. Tell them Jesus loves them. Encourage people. Forget all this stuff about you might be rejected. Who cares? Who really cares right this minute? We need to come to a place to where we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed of the one who died for us. And we want everybody we run into to meet this man, Christ Jesus. That's part of the fast. Part of the fast is sharing the one you love with other people. The love of Jesus. Share the love of Jesus during this time. Set aside to honor our Heavenly Father. Bring them to church. Demonstrate your love for them and your compassion for their need. Since you won't be eating lunch, buy a homeless person some food. Take some time. Give it to them. Pray with as many people as you can daily. Well, I can't get within six feet of them. I can pray from six feet away. Doesn't make any difference. Pray from my car window. I I can pray with them. We need to pray for people. And, and just honestly, and I don't mean this rebelliously, but if they want me to lay hands on them, I'm going to lay hands on them. You don't have to do that. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you that 
that I, I'm going to pray for people because I want them to know Jesus Christ. Cover the naked again, literally and spiritually. Cover those that are outside the kingdom with prayer. Pray for their salvation. Reach out to estranged family members. Boy, this is one of those things that gets a little touchy. Because people, we, we have people that, it's, it's almost like, uh, do you want to poke the bear? Because they're not talking and you're not talking and everything's okay. But the Lord says, He said, I'm not hearing your voice because you've cut yourself off from your own family. Poke the bear. They may not respond and that's okay. You're not responsible for how your family may. But let them know you love them. Don't demand anything from them. Just let them know that you love them. You may need to pray about it before you do it. And you may want to know what God's heart is on this, but I'm going to tell you, you need to do it. And then look what Isaiah 58 says. He said, if you do these things, if you do these things, now that's not really hard, is it? Love God, love people. Those whole lists are fulfilled in those two things. Isaiah 58, 8 says, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing. I just want to remind you one more time, the healing of our land is conditional. It's dependent upon God's people humbling themselves, recognizing you can't fix it. Turn to a family member right now and say, I can't fix it. Realizing that, you know, that's real humility. We walk in pride all the time. I can handle anything that comes my way. No, you can't. There are things that you just can't fix. And it's when you finally come to the realization that you can't fix things that you're able to truly humble yourself in God, in, with God and say, God, I can't do this. i got to give it to you. Pray. Cry out from your innermost being. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in your understanding. But pray. Seek His face. You can pray for the healing of the coronavirus, that's fine. But what you really want to do is, God, would you reveal yourself to me in, a, in greater measure? I want to know you better than I know you right now. I, I want to, to, your love just to flood my heart. I want to show other people the love that you've shown me. I need to know you more than I've ever known you in my life. I am so hungry. I want to devour you. Jesus, I, I, I want to know you. Turn from our wicked ways. Turn from our religious, rebellious, self-centered, selfish ways. Quit worrying about our own comfort and begin to, begin to seek what God wants. Remind you one more time, the wickedness of Israel. Their worship was religious, not righteous. They were participating in their religion, but they weren't putting God first. I want to encourage you today. One more time, repentance is the very beginning. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening 
We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.